Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you're in the right place because this is where the best run. There, I said it and I mean it. Welcome. Let's see what the buzz on the street is today. I have a quote from a gentleman named David Moth, M-O-T-H, just the way it sounds. He's the editor and head of social at a company called E-Consultancy, all one word. And here's the quote. There are loads of studies which show that marketers struggle with measuring ROI from social media. Now, if you don't know what ROI is, okay, come out from under the rock. It's return on investment, and you probably know what social media is. And we're talking about how in the world do you measure all of that good work that your people are doing. So let me give you a little more background before I introduce my three wonderful panelists. If you are the designated bean counter, come on, we used to reserve that term for auditors sitting with a green eye shade in a basement with a, a green lamp and they were the ones who were putting together all the spreadsheets for the company. Well, now that we have social selling and almost everybody, every company has somebody investing time and energy in it, uh, you want to know what the results are. So we're calling this the social selling results bean counter. If you've got one of those or if you are that person, wouldn't it be nice to have the performance metrics standardized? Wouldn't it be nice to not have to figure out how many clicks and how many hits and how many responses on any of the social media platforms? Well, it may be here. You'll be able to measure the business impact of all of the digital selling performance across your whole company. This is like a dream come true. And to management, if you're not already management, you can provide timely feedback. That means I want it now. You can give it to them now to re- reinforce what's working in your social selling efforts and what's not working. That means something may need to be improved. It may need to be just cut out altogether. And you can level the playing field on your marketing investments in terms of where you want to be, your SEO of your website, what kind of blogs you want, what kind of social. So it sounds too good to be true, actually. It's not. It's possible. And we're going to talk about how to get started. This is actually part two of a conversation we started a couple, I say a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago, April 17th of this year, 2018. The topic officially is the social seller's playbook, making it count with an emphasis on count. And this is part two. I'm so pleased to have the three panelists who joined me on that day. That was changing the game with social selling radio. Another one of our 18 series this year. And they're all back because they really want to keep talking talking about this with me. So let me tell you who they are and then we'll get started. First up, I'll be introducing you in a moment to Mark Hunter. He has a wonderful title, The Sales Hunter. How clever. He's the author of High Profit Prospecting and High Profit Selling. We're pleased to have him back. Joining him is our second returning panelist, Scott Santucci. He is chairman and president of the Social Enablement Society, and he is the Chief Growth Catalyst, I love that title, Scott, at Growth Enablement Ecosystems, great name for a company, and rounding out the panel is one of my SAP colleagues, Marco Kai. He's all the way around the other side of the world. We'll find out where. He's the Global Head of Social Selling Training and Enablement at SAP. So, gentlemen, pleased to have you back, and let's start off with the opening quote, an inspirational quote from Mark Hunter. He has picked something from Zig Ziglar. Mark, I'm just going to read a little background, then I'll get to the quote, and we'll find out 
how in the world it relates to our topic. So, Zig Ziglar, full name, Hillary Hinton, H-I-L-A-R-Y, yes, it's a man, Hillary Hinton, Zig Ziglar, 1926 to 2012, American author, salesman, and motivational speaker. And interestingly enough, Mark, I don't know if you know this, Ziggy, was Zig Ziglar was born in Coffee County in southeastern Alabama. I thought that was kind of cool. And uh, he participated in a Navy college program, training program, and uh, he just has an interesting history. He was the 10th of 12 children. I think that's probably enough to know what motivated him. Here's the quote. You don't have to be great at something to start, but you have to start to be great at something. Mark Hunter, how are you? Good. I'm good. And you, to know that he was born in Coffee County, that's why I had to use this quote. Actually, I did not know that until just... <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 can, <laughs> you can pretend it's okay. It's just between us. Nobody else listening. By the way, we had, uh, let's see, we get about 20,000 listeners a month on this show, and all of our Game Changers showed, shows had almost 105,000 listeners in the month of July. And I thought everybody was at the beach doing beach reading, Mark, and they must be listening because we're seeing them here. So, yeah, Coffee County, who knew there was even a place. So, Mark, I love the quote. It's very inspiring, and we need to relate it in your own words back to our topic of Social Seller's Playbook, Making It Count. Go ahead, Mark. Well, that's the whole thing. So many people really think about getting a plan going, but they never get going. And as Zig was a champion, he's saying, you've got to start if you want to be great. There's nobody's going to come out of the shoot with a perfect social media plan. But you got to start. you got to know how to measure it. That's what we're going to be talking about here today. So that's why I picked this quote. Well, I love the quote, and, and I love the fact that it really could be used for anybody doing anything. Isn't that right, Mark? You don't have to be great at something to start. So, for example, sidebar, I just started taking drum lessons. Do not ask me why, other than it's something I was always curious about. I played the flute in junior high school. I played classical piano for many years. But I started taking drums. Now, if I had said... I can't go to a music school to take drums because I am not good at drums. I never would have gotten started. Right, Mark? That That is correct. And, and to know that you play the flute and the piano, that's the same as my wife. But I don't think my wife has ever mentioned about playing the drums. So, you know, <laughs> you're up on one thing. I have an extra bedroom, and I wondered what to do with it in my big house here in Durham. So instead of buying a drum pad on Sunday, I bought a whole drum kit. So I've got four drums and two sets of cymbals, and uh, and I practice a little bit every day. It relaxes me between radio shows. You can laugh now. So you have to be, you have to start to be great. Quick question for you, Mark. When I, I'm addressing the global audience, as though everybody is involved in social selling, social media, from a business sales perspective. Do you think it's true that every company, small, medium, large, is actually doing it, or am I being overly, quote-unquote, optimistic? I think you're being way optimistic because there's a lot of industries that really do not embrace any form, any form of social media. Now, that doesn't mean they won't embrace it forever, but there's early adopters, there's adopters, and then there's the, there's the laggards. You know, we will see industries moving online over the next five to 10 years and countries moving online. Because again, looking at it from a global standpoint, as I travel around the world, it's amazing how every country has different uh, social media um, cultural norms that they mm-hmm. follow. Very interesting. And, and always the question is, as in any kind of marketing effort, any kind of outreach, 
How do you know it's working? And that's what we're talking about today. So I hope we're able to give some tips and tricks, strategies, and relief to those. I hope nobody was offended by the term bean counter for social selling ROI. But seriously, that's what it comes down to, doesn't it, Mark? How many hits, how many responses? Isn't that really what it comes down to? Yeah, with with the exception of you can have all the hits and the likes, but if you don't translate them to revenue, mm, something's not working. So there you go. There you go. Thank you. Great introduction. Pleased to have you back. And now let's go to Scott Santucci at the Social Enablement Society. And Scott has sent us a quote from Sir Winston Churchill and his full name. We've got some interesting names today. Winston Leonard Spencer dash Churchill. And the letters after his initials, initials after his name are almost as long as his name. K-G-O-M-C-H-T-D-P-C-C-D-L-F-R-S and R-A. I'm not going to ask Scott to tell me what all those mean. I don't know if he knows either. Uh, he lived from November 30th, 1874 to January 24, 1965, British statesman, Prime Minister of the UK from 1940 to 45, and 51 to 55. Uh, all kinds of interesting political information about him. He was named the Greatest Britain of all time in a 2002 poll, and he's among the most influential people in British history. There we go. So here's the quote. Listen up. A pessimist sees the difficulty in every opportunity. An optimist sees the opportunity in every difficulty. Scott, how are you? I'm doing fantastic, and thanks for having me back. I'm excited. Well, we're excited to have you. I love this quote. This seems to me to be words to live by. Are you a pessimist? Are you an optimist? I think we're all tired of the glass half full, half empty euphemism, and I think this is a little more appropriate. So tell me, how does this relate to measuring ROI for social? Well, one of the things that I'm I'm experiencing is when we talk about the bean counter, there's many, many bean counters. There's technologists that want to see you know, tracking and those kinds of activities. There's marketers that want to see throughput or usage of, uh, of resources. There's salespeople. But at the end of the day, the heads of sales and the CEO, they want to see results. And what happens is in, in all of this conversation, people start saying, well, you can't measure that. You can't measure this. You can't, you can't do this. You can't do that. Mm-hmm. And when you start introducing those can't, then you can't. So part of the, mm. the, the reason that um, we have to in- insert some positivity <laughs> into all this is we're human beings. We can. The issue, though, is what is it that we're using social for? How would we connect the dots? And what is it that we're measuring? There's a lot of measurement, for example, about just the cost reduction uh, of activities that, that, that can be put in place. So really, it's, it's changing the mindset in a, in a lot of ways, because I think in a lot of areas, we've gotten very, very rigid on how we measure things. And Uh, social creates a lot of creativity and we need to get creative about how we measure things also. Thank you very much, Scott. That's interesting. Uh, You know, we don't have subscribers and people, we don't collect listener information for Game Changers Radio. And I started this almost on a whim. I got permission from my manager back in 2011, it was. And we just started because I thought it was a good idea to do thought leadership. About two years later, my manager, my manager at the time had another manager, you know, up the chain. And I met with him when he, he uh, took over our team. And he said, I know about Game Changers Radio. I had maybe six or eight series. Now we're up to 38 series. And his comments to me, and I think this will resonate with all three of you, and I'm not naming names. He said, 
Love the idea, Bonnie. I've listened to it. It's a fresh approach. Love the idea of a thought leadership roundtable, not a paid opinion, not speeches, not slides. He said, but I'm getting a stomachache thinking that we're not generating sales leads and I can't trace the crumbs to bottom line. What is it doing? It's exactly what he said. I wrote it down. I don't know why, but I took handwritten notes while I was on the phone, and I'll never forget his comment. I'm getting a stomach ache because I can't figure out how this is going to whatever. And at the time, thought leadership just wasn't resonating with people. And this was mm-hmm. tw- probably 2012, 2013, five years ago. Over time, it is accepted that we know we have almost a million listeners a year who are aware that we're bringing these conversations like today with you and Mark and Marco, and we're sharing insights. So there's value in them, Narhills, excuse me for the bad Western Western quote there. But how do you explain that, Scott? Just a, a quick thought. How do you explain thought leadership as part of social outreach? Any thoughts about that? Well, gee, there's uh, so many ways to do it, but in a quick answer, uh, one of the things that I'm finding, regardless of whether, regardless what industry you're in, most of the new products and services that people have are technology enabled. And that requires, in order for them to sell them, they have to help their clients envision what's possible first. So if, if you're on the other hand and you can't even conceive of uh, how you might use a new technology or how you might hire somebody to be a, a high performing team that you can outsource, mm-hmm. if you can't even conceive of that, then you have no sales opportunity. So part of the part of the challenge of, of taking the idea of thought leadership, it's more about um, t- to me with my clients morphing it more into what's possible. It's helping your clients envision what those possibilities might be, so that then they can engage you with a conversation, so they're not so angry right when you talk to them, saying, "What the heck are you talking about?" And that's part of the uh, that's another opportunity for social is it creates a beachhead to soften. Um, some existing thought processes to, to make people more uh, available to new ideas. So I, I think uh, thought leadership ties into helping clients envision what's possible so that they are more open-minded when they talk to salespeople to begin with. Thank you very much. And what's interesting to me is the first six months of Game Changers Radio, I received an email from a colleague at SAP who was in sales, directly in sales. And he said, we are using these recordings the, the, of the show, the live shows, the podcast. He said, we're using these as training tools for our salespeople to learn how to have a conversation. You believe that? They were using them internally. <laughs> and and I, yeah, I guess you can. <laughs> so so it, it, there was value. There, there was value. But sometimes you have to find that ROI, and it's not just on bottom line. Thank you, Scott. Appreciate it. Very happy to have you back. And our third panelist is waiting so patiently. We'll find out where he is in a few minutes. Marco Kai at SAP. And Marco sent me a whole bunch of quotes, but he the one he ultimately picked is one from Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King, Jr., 1929 to 1968. American Baptist minister and activist who became the most visible spokesperson and leader in the civil rights movement from 1954 until his death by assassination in 1968. He advanced civil rights through nonviolence and civil disobedience, and you can all think that relates back to Mahatma Gandhi, who helped inspire him. So, 
Here is the quote. Listen up. This is a long one, but it's worth the wait. The ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. Ooh, Marco, that's very deep. How are you, Marco? Welcome back. I'm, I'm doing great. Thanks for uh, having me back. How are you doing? Well, could, we wouldn't have thought of doing this show without you. You were part of the original panel. So talk to me about this quote. We're talking about social selling. We're talking about outreach, perhaps thought leadership, and we're talking about measuring. So how does the quote relate? Yeah, absolutely. First of all, I want to apologize because uh, I'm actually calling from outside of the planet. So my <laughs> voice uh, seems to leave afar. I apologize for that. Um, so uh, talking about the but a quote, I think uh, in a way that the days we are living is a lot, a lot like the days that uh, um, Martin Luther King was living. Not in the political or civil rights uh, kind of a sense, right? but in the uh, technic- technology change and how fast our, uh, the, our lifestyle is changing in, in this sense, right? Like think about um, you know, how mobile phone, how internet, how, how uh, virtual reality is changing our lives and how it also changed the, the way that we are doing business with the decision makers and also the, the way how decision makers want their business to be done and, uh, and, uh, and what kind of business, um, what kind of vendor they want to do business with. So everything, basically everything has changed and uh, it's, it's just going to be um, faster, faster and faster. Like think about how many um, you know, uh, startups uh, come in every year, but how many of them will just die out in the second year, and how digital uh, technology, social media is uh, disrupting almost every aspect of the business. So um, when I talk to the salespeople around the world, that uh, some salespeople, like uh, especially mature, mature salespeople, they used to be, they are so used to uh, to the way that they are do, they're doing business um, with uh, with decision makers, that how they fight them, how how they talk to them, how they build the credit conversation with them, they send out uh, cold emails, they they make cold cold calls. That works probably in the in the old days, but the things really change. So um, it really comes to the how they want to face. The, the challenges that brought by all the changes that, uh, uh, as I said, the changes are only going to be uh, bigger and faster. And it's really a matter of how you believe, believe in that. So in the past few years, we really uh, just fly over, uh, over the globe to persuade people that uh, you need to start believing this if you really want to uh, be, continue your success in the digital and social media world. Um, and also, uh, we also see the, the urgent need that the, um, we need to have a new measurement tree, a metric, metric for how mm-hmm. we measure uh, the new way to sell in digital and social media age. Uh, not, it's, not, it's not about the, how, many, how many emails you send out, send out how many code, code calls you send out, how many people you talk with, but also about, more about the quality, more about the trust you earn from the, all the social, social selling activities. So we also see that it's, uh, it's really important how you measure um, your social selling activity, how you put a, um, a metric that makes sense to make sure that your social selling program uh, becomes a, a huge success. So everything that I, I can see that everything is actually um, linked back to this quote. That, that's, that's why I, I love it so much. But uh, by the way, uh, Martin Luther King is definitely, definitely one of my favorite people that uh, inspired me uh, in my whole life. So. 
Thank you, Marco. Great, great approach to this. And I'm thinking when I'm reading the quote, you know, I like to pull them apart. Challenge mm-hmm. and controversy for companies that are just, and I want to ask the panel before I, I go to this, Mark and Scott and Marco, do you think we should drop the term social selling and go for digital selling? Is social not a heavy enough word? Just quickly, Marco, what do you think? And then I'm going to ask around, then I'll get back to my thought. Marco, is it wow. time to change the term? Marcus, what do you think? That's- that's perfectly on the point because uh, it, it has been uh, quite uh, a while that we discussed about this uh, because of the first reason is that, uh, okay, social selling uh, sounds a lot like uh, you are only use social media, but it's actually not. We use so many tools uh, that, not, that outside of social, uh, social media uh, landscape, for example, some tools that are probably uh, purely um, digital. Uh, but it has a, a very little thing. For example, like a video, we 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 just employ uh, dip, uh, employ some uh, video tools because the video is going to be another mega trend for 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 social selling, right? So so this is first uh, first reason that we we are thinking about the change in name. But the second reason that we in the past few years we start to feel uh, find out that social selling can make so much sense not only to salespeople but also be a great helper to marketing. People, especially uh, with the launch of GDPR, right? everyone's talking about mm-hmm. that. So marketing now has, has, has such a huge challenge how to reach out to, to new customer, how to engage with them. So Suicidin can perfectly help them. And also, back to your point, Suicidin can also help, um, help the business executives in, in the organization to build their social branding, to, uh, to become a social ambassador, and to uh, scale out the brand, to talk about become a brand ambassador. So we definitely see the need that so we probably need to have a new name replacing social setting, probably like modern setting. Or, or, but we're, we're just in the process of thinking about that. But you are, thank you for bringing that. That's definitely on point. Well, thank you. I, I love the enthusiasm. Let me go over. Before I go back to my point there, yeah, Mark sure. Hunter, Mark Hunter, weigh in on this. What do you think? Is it time to drop? Yeah. Social selling to me sounds like, oh, we're going to go to a cocktail party. I'm sorry. It just sounds fluffy. What do you think? I would love to not, uh, I would love to do more than just drop it. I'd love to kill it. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's so overused uh, and misdated. Don't, hey, 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 hey. Mark, con, 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 rule, cardinal rule in comedy, don't step on the laughs. You've got to give us time to digest that. That was a beautiful thing you said. So just take a breath. Okay. You wouldn't like to just stop. You're going to kill it. Now you can go ahead. You just killed us. Go ahead. Yeah. I, I'd, I'd love to kill it because if you think about it, social selling in its original context is the door-to-door salesperson. You know, That's right. That, that was the original mm. social, social selling. Digital so what should we call it? Much more accurate. Yes. Digital selling? I would call it digital selling because it, it I, I can't, st- it, it's so overused, it's so overhyped. It's like the term modern, you know, modern buyer, modern customer. I mean, come on, people, we can do better than this. <laughs> off with you, Bonnie. Okay, I'll, I will get off my soapbox. Oh, I loved it. This was this was great. We don't usually get one-liners that just stop the show, and you just took that honor. I, that's usually my job, Mark, so what can I tell you? Scott, I know you want to join us. Scott, what do you think? You're going to kill it? You're going to trample it? You're going to toss it out? You're going to burn it? What are you going to do with social selling? Well, you talk about uh, rules of comedy. He stole my line. <laughs> so I was going to go into. Uh, hey, I finally got. I, I finally got a chance to steal something from you, Scott. Now I there you complete. There, I knew there was a reason I had all three of you back on the show together because I knew we had all bonded in April, and now we had, now we had to really take this quote unquote to the bank. So, what do you think, Scott? Is digital selling what you'd like to call it? Well, actually, um, so the first part is social. 
is what humans do. Selling yeah. is the action. So if you take digital, it's what is it we're trying to do? And to me, it's about engagement. So one of the things, so to me, the term is more digital engagement. Selling is always going to happen. Selling is always going to be. Selling is not going to change. Selling just gets enhanced by new innovation. We didn't call it phone selling. I mean, some people did, right? Mm-hmm. But we, you know, the profession of sales didn't change. And then also, too, selling in this day and age, in my opinion, is a team sport. To call it selling excludes marketing. It excludes delivery people. It excludes customer interaction. So I, I really like the idea of engagement. And I think what we might need to move away from is the idea of either we're going to push information out to our buyers or to our customers, or we're going to pull, uh, you know, pull them along the way. Engagement is bi-directional. Engagement is conversations. And this, all of these digital technologies, plural, enable a kind of engagement that we've never seen before in the history of the world. So I, I've been using with, with my clients this, uh, this concept to, to, you know, to think it bigger and, and work backwards from what it is we're actually measuring. It's digital, but it's engagement. And engagement uh, you know, goes both ways. Thank you very much. You know, while I was talking to Marco, I was going to take apart the MLK Martin Luther King quote, and it just dawned on me, maybe we should just do a little etymology here. And obviously, I, I sparked some uh, enthusiasm from the three of you. That This is great. You know, it, it's you wonderful when I have a, a panel and I could just, quote, unquote, go off script and just, just go, go into the sidebars. But I do want to get back to something with Marco. And yes, we're going to find out where you all are. We're going to skip the break. This is just too, too good. We're not going to take a break. Uh, Marco, when, when and uh, the second part of the quote, where, where he's the ultimate measure of a man, of course, a woman, a person, we, we could ask MLK in absentia and memoriam to change that part, but we understand that, is where he stands in time, at times of challenge and controversy. And, and let's just go around the table on this one, starting with Marco. Times of challenge, okay, so can you do an ROI? Can you prove that it is fine? We've talked about already that it's not the quantity, it's the quality. Okay, we're going to talk about how you measure that. But controversy, are there still companies that are standing on the sidelines and saying, no, we will not do digital selling. We don't have time for Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and all of those places. Those are just for kids telling when they got up and what color their hair is today. Do you think there's still some of that going on, the the controversy about the fact that there is any value at all? Marco, start me off with a brief answer, and then we'll go around to Mark and Scott. What do you think? A stigma is what I'm talking about. Does social still have a stigma? Oh, sorry. Do you mean me or Mark? Marco, Marco Kai, go ahead. You start. Okay, okay, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, um, in our observation, it's just like uh, uh, how how people adapt to new new product. Like in market, how you think of the people that that there are always early adapter, there are always uh, uh, doubter, there are always like uh, people that uh, would take them years of years like uh, uh, to believe in that. So uh, it's it's absolutely it's, it's very common. Like uh, especially when we, uh, when we go to the details of social selling. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, for example, it also uh, it also considers the the, the the difference between market to market. For example, uh, when we uh, go to North America, it, people accept the, the idea of switch selling very easily because uh, that's the nature of business. But uh, for example, when we go to China, that uh, people will doubt. Oh, okay, uh, people are you really using LinkedIn. Um, probably people are use, using LinkedIn just for, uh, to looking for a job. So that's perception. So first of all. 
um, there is perception to change. It's mm-hmm. a change of perception um, regarding how business has been changed, how the, how the environment has changed, how the customer customer behavior has changed, and also regarding how you have to uh, keep in pace with all, of all the uh, changes to run your business in, in the in, in the changing environment. So that. Uh, to your question, absolutely. There are people uh, still doubting it, but uh, I, I, I'm believing that the number is uh, decreasing along with the time. Thank you very much. Mark Hunter, the sales hunter. Agree or disagree? Do you think there's still a stigma about it? It's kid stuff? What do you think? Oh, yeah. There are still a lot of people out there that are hesitant to jump into it because they can't measure it. They don't feel the ROI. I look at it this way. There are so many different ways with which you can measure the ROI of digital engagement, because that's what we're now calling it, digital engagement. Uh-huh. Uh, and, 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 and it goes from whether it be brand awareness, whether it be educating the marketplace. Those are two critical things that I can do by way of social selling, by way of social media, by way of digital engagement. But I can also take it down to a very uh, micro level. Um, in terms of a one-on-one engagement. One of the ways that I measure is, am I able to take an online connection and turn it into an offline conversation, which then in turn turns it into a contract? Yes. There's any number of ways, but this comes back to this original problem. You have to set your objectives up front and know what you're shooting for. Otherwise, you're just spraying and praying, just putting a lot of stuff out there, thinking something's going to happen, and it's not. Thank you very much. So there's prep involved, there's planning involved, there's a, a method to the madness of this digital engagement. You have to have a reason to do it. Probably in the beginning, I'm guessing it would just be a CRAP shoot where it's just, okay, we'll try this. We'll put we'll put Mary Sue on, on Twitter for a week and we'll put Bobby James on, uh, making these names up, we'll put Bobby and James on, on LinkedIn uh, Sales Navigator and, and let's see where it falls. Do you think there's any of that experimentation with a, a time frame let's see what we do in that period of time mark well there is and that's why i've used this line for years you can't take clicks likes and shares to the bank it just doesn't work but that's what some people are using as the absolute measurement i want to get much more beyond that and believe me we've got tools out there that can really help us understand and that's why we're here scott santucci love to get your thoughts go ahead don't step in any lines go ahead it is uh in my opinion it's getting worse not better I think it's partially because of the lack of measurement. I think it's also partially uh, because people can't really envision what it looks like. And, and frankly, a lot of people just aren't really launched in starting it, uh, you know, just sort of getting engaged and, and the like. So there are so many different variables uh, that, that go into it. And I think what, what's happened is we've gotten this big hype. And I also think that the idea of social is too connected with Facebook or, uh, you know, other, other kinds of things that, uh, yeah. um, you know, that people are communicating. So I think what we need to really do is just have a reboot and talk about the business advantages of it and practical application rather than, you know, hyping it so much. So those, those are a, a, a couple of my thoughts. Thank you very much. Good, good start. Now, now we're talking about how to measure it. We're talking around and about the topic uh, that we should be able to. There should be some kind of ROI. I think we've all agreed that sometimes it's not a straightforward. Yes, we sold five billion dollars in contracts in the first six months after we started dabbling on LinkedIn, something like that. So it, it's not a direct, a direct link. So what I want to do is let's get to the meat of the the topic here, which is making it count. And I promised in my opening, we're doing this a little bit differently. 
Before we do that, I want to go around the table quickly. Where are you and what's your favorite drink in the whole wide world? And then we'll come back to this topic. Mark Hunter, I didn't want to forget this part. Where are you right now? And just please don't tell me. A lot of people say, I'm in my home office. Well, where is that? It's around the corner. Okay, that's fine. Mark Hunter, where are you and what, do you, what powers you in terms of a beverage? My home office is Omaha, Nebraska today, and I'm about 365 yards from Starbucks, which is exactly what I'm drinking right now. My my drink of preference is pretty simple. Just give me a good, strong cup of coffee. Keep it black, keep it strong, and it's best yet if it doesn't even need a cup because it's so strong. It doesn't need anything to hold it. Stands up on its own. Do you have a favorite brew, a favorite bean, a favorite blend, a favorite country? You must. Come on. Uh, You know what? I really don't. Just make it strong. I can't stand this weak stuff. Okay, I'm going to go on a rant here. The blend I do not like is at Starbucks called Pike Place Blend or Pike's Pike's Blend, Mm -hmm. whatever. I can't stand it. It's too too bland. It's too, uh, no, 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 no. Just give me something strong. Give me something Got it. good. I'm with you, kid. Do you put anything in it? No, of course not. That would destroy oh, coffee. There you go. Okay. I knew I liked you. All right. <laughs> and now let's go to Scott Santucci. We've raised the bar very high in terms of coffee quality. Uh, Scott, where are you today, and what do you love to drink? Any kind of beverage will do. I'm in Leesburg, Virginia, and my beverage that powers me is sponsored by Peak. Peak is what I'm kidding. Uh, I was trying, <laughs> trying to uh, make up that I got a got a plug here. Uh, so it's, it's basically depending on, on the day what powers me. It's either in middle of the day, it's iced tea. Beginning of the day, it's coffee, and then of course uh, in the evening, it's old fashioned. Oh, tell me about the old-fashioned. Do you do it the old-fashioned way? We had somebody giving us a distinction between the pre-prohibition and the post-prohibition version. Which one do you like? Am I right? You, well, yeah, there is a difference, uh, actually. Uh, before prohibition, you they had better um, they had better alcohol, so your ingredients were were minimum. After or during prohibition, they started making it with uh, with more sweeteners and uh, other devices and more muddling and and things like that. And now people all have their own different uh, different takes. So when I make them myself. Um, I'm more of a basic, but I like to be surprised by the bartender. And I'm starting to sound like a snob, but this has a lot more to do with me getting older and not being able to drink red wine anymore. <laughs> so, uh, 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 that's, that's, that's more my delight. So it's, uh, that's, that's what powers me. Scott, I don't, I'm not a red wine drinker, but I didn't know there was an age limit on it anyway. You just educated me. Okay, so we'll, we just won't even open that bottle tonight. Thank you very much. No comment. And let's circle around to Marco Kai. Marco, you talked about you're not even on the planet. I know where you are, and you're definitely on the planet. So where are you? What time of the day or night is it where you are, Marco, my brave friend here? And what do you love to drink? Marco, go ahead. Well, um, I'm on the exact opposite to your position. So I'm in Beijing, in China, and now it's uh, 30 minutes to uh, midnight. Um, so talking about my drink, I remember something I drink in Bangkok, and it, it was uh, something some people would call it weird because it's a mixture um, of uh, green green lemon with local herb, um, 
herbal, but uh, something strange is that the, actually the food spicy in, in that uh, in that drink with ice. But uh, think if you go, ever go to Bangkok, right? You you know that when you walk on the street, your hair and your clothes almost feel like on fire, um, and you're so hot. And when you have such kind of a drink that you feel like, oh my God, this really saved me. So I don't know. I still don't know what's the name of that drink, but I definitely want to fly back. And you should, if you go to Bangkok, you should definitely try that on the street. You can find it um, everywhere in Bangkok. Thank you very much. Very interesting. We got a little bit of global global beverage advice here. Thank you very much. Mark Hunter, I, I don't know if I'm even going to go to the talking points of the speaking statements you all sent me. We, we reviewed a bunch of them on part one a couple of months ago on uh, changing the game with social selling. What I'd like to know is in my intro, and, and uh, just bear with me, please, gentlemen. In my intro, I talked about uh, the business impact, measuring the business impact of digital selling. It was in the intro there and talked about, isn't a time for standardization of digital performance metrics. So without doing any promotion or advertising or salesy talk, what kinds of tools are out there? Why don't we just go around the table? Is that okay with the three of you? I want to get your tips for the audience on when they're ready for this, what could they be looking at that takes some of the, oh, how do we measure this? What's being used by, let's say, the leaders who are doing this? So Mark Hunter, why don't you start us off? Let's see what you got. Well, I I think the easiest two are what are the quality of inbound leads? You know, I, I always look at there's two ways with which you acquire sales. There's inbound leads and outbound. Inbound has a depreciating value. In other words, when that inbound lead comes in, it's got to be nurtured very, very quickly. So if you're doing social selling, digital enablement right, you're going to have very high quality in inbound leads. So that's one one way to measure it. Second one is really in this company, and we'll look at that more from a macro standpoint. From mm-hmm. a micro standpoint, I come down to this whole piece of am I able to create a relationship and turn it into that offline conversation? And if I can't do that, then what is the value to me as the individual salesperson with within a large company? I like to think that I can create metrics that really span both the micro and also the macro, and they don't have to be that complex. Very interesting. Okay, so you're saying just just we're back to quantity versus quality. What's the quality? Are you able to take it, quote-unquote, offline? Let's see what Scott Santucci has to say. Scott, you can agree or disagree with what what Mark Hunter just said, or would you like to add some tips? And we're just going to keep going around the table with tips for people to understand how to do this well. Go ahead, Scott. Sure. So, you know, the leading question was technology, and I think technology makes things more confusing than, they, than they're helpful right now. Um, what, I, what I work on is creating a dashboard of what it is that we're looking at. So how are we going to associate the products and services that we want to and, and not? Let's also look at our spend effectiveness. Let's look at the productivity of the teams involved. Let's look at, uh, uh, are we improving our engagement effectiveness? Uh, what kind of analytics help us inform uh, predictive or future, future results? And then also, based on the engagement categories that we're defining, can we uh, find perceptions of value? And the reason that these things are really important is once you start instrumenting what you're measuring mm-hmm. and you don't ask what it is that you're measuring, you get, uh, you know, we, we're, a, we're a show that loves quotes, right? Um, Einstein said, "You can ma- you can't uh, you can measure 
what are, oh geez, I got the wrong quote here. You, you know the saying, right? It's, uh, yes, I know. Um, you, counting what me- measuring what counts and counting what me- yeah, yep. Exactly, right? And so if you don't if you don't have a strategy of what it is that you're looking to count in the first place that matters, like measuring what matters, then if you just measure a bunch of stuff, you, you get situations where I literally have a client that is trying to manage or measure. 2,186 different metrics that are related to, uh, to selling. And that's, you know, probably 2,800 too many. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, mm-hmm. part of the, part of the, part of the goal is let's sort of talk about what it is that we want to accomplish first and then build it. So what do I use for measurement? We use spreadsheets and the, the same kind of methods that they're currently measuring and then use, uh, use those activities to show whether or not we're moving the needle or not rather than trying to track all of these different activities or things because it, it gets way too distracting. Very interesting, the idea of being distracted, and that's very easy when you're doing that. Okay, Marco Kai, what would your tips or tricks be for the audience who's thinking, how are we going to find meaning, find value, find return on investment, even if it's just a question of having somebody sitting there and, quote-unquote, doing LinkedIn for an hour a day? How do we know it's worth our while? What's your tip? Yeah, absolutely. First of all, uh, before I share my thoughts, I, I, I want to say that this session is really uh, also a learning. Uh, it's really inspiring. I, I, I learned something really interesting uh, from Scott and uh, Mark sharing. I definitely would take uh, into our program. Uh, but I want to just echo that, uh, okay, uh, it's really hard to standardize because uh, today we're talking about global uh, audiences that from different uh, nature of a business and the industry. For example, how you measure social selling ROI from a B2B kind of business, and uh, it could be very different from a B2C or, or customer, uh, consumer uh, industry. So uh, it's, pr- it's, it's probably difficult to standardize how you measure that, but I think mm-hmm. there's a, uh, still something in common that uh, you have to be careful how you, uh, the, the ROI, that's, that's the ultimate, uh, ultimate goal, uh, measurement, right? So how the investment you put in and the, uh, versus uh, the actual pipeline revenue, what we call at uh, SP, that's uh, generated or attributed from social selling. At SP, we are working to track this automatically, um, asking salespeople, uh, you know, in the system, uh, it's in progress. But uh, other than that, uh, there are also some, uh, something that uh, the social seller or social selling practitioners, they need to track for, be careful for themselves. For example, their SSI, um, what the score is. And for example, in different companies, you probably use different tools for social selling. At, uh, for example, at this people use LinkedIn, we use LinkedIn Sales Navigator. So there are different kinds of measurements uh, attached to the tools and how you uh, define social selling at your company. But uh, I just want to say that uh, uh, the ultimate uh, tracking should be always about the pipeline uh, revenue generating. But other than that, you can also put a lot of uh, uh, flexible uh, measurement to helping people to track how their social selling activities actually going. For example, SSI, uh, the, the video views, and uh, for example, point drive, uh, point drive sharing, uh, sharing likes, comments, and whatever. So well, definitely there need to be metrics, um, and uh, it, it should be adjusted to different uh, company and, uh, and, and uh, industry. 
Thank you very much. Thoughtful answers all around. Mark Hunter, I found something in your notes from, oh, from last time we didn't use an interesting aspect to what we're talking about. I don't think we've covered yet. Let me just read it and then we can get your thoughts and go around the table. You say, one of the major advantages of using social networking sites for business is that it's too personal that it's easy to generate honest opinions from people through these sites. I think this is a little bit going in a circle here, but I'd like you to straighten it out for me. Is the two personal good, and what's the value of honest opinions, and how does that all work for going from what you said a few minutes ago, Mark, from, gee, it's great to chat with you online, to can we take this offline and have a face-to-face or phone-to-phone conversation? So help me out with this, Mark Hunter. Yes. Well, there's something that's very interesting, and we really owe it. We owe it to the millennials. Uh, a couple things that they very much look for is transparency and authenticity. What does that mean? We have to be transparent. We have to be authentic. If, if you look at how companies get butchered, get hammered on social media platforms, let's talk Facebook, let's talk Twitter and so mm-hmm. forth. If, if you are not allowing yourself to have that genuine conversation, then all you're doing is really old school advertising. And I think that bus has left the station and nobody's on it. I mean, we, we have to be in everything that we're doing, authentic, transparent, because if we don't create a level of integrity, we don't create a level of trust, uh, why should anybody want to engage with us? Well, that's really the bottom line. And I guess this begs the question, Mark, and we'll go around the table on this one. How do you know? somebody is really being an authentic person or they're not just reading a very or typing into or putting a a comment in a forum, for example, on LinkedIn, something that their marketing department, that their PR department created that happens to sound really, really good and really cool and really authentic, but it's just a script. How do you know? How do you sift through that, gee, that I really want to go to that company. I really want to engage with that person. They really care about me and they're just doing their thing. The same old selling is just being typed in. So what's your thought on that? Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, that's, that's done all, all day long by many, many people. But if you think about it, mm-hmm. what does an HR department do when they are interviewing somebody? They go out and look at, well, what is social media saying about them? That's and right. Amazing how there, can be, there can be disconnects between what they're saying on LinkedIn and what's being posted on Instagram. Uh, it, 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 it's very difficult to live a perpetual lie on social media today. You, you, you just can't. You just can't. And people want to have authentic, transparent relationships. Truth comes out. It eventually does. You can hide Thank for you. a while, but you can't hide yep. forever. You can't hide. You can run, but you can't hide. You can you can tweet Facebook and LinkedIn and Instagram, but eventually we'll find you absolutely right. Scott Santucci, love to get your thoughts. What do you think? Is it easy to hide? Is it is it encouraging people to be more authentic, even if they're just not meeting their quotas and they know there's pressure from their company to convert those relationships and they're just doing their damnedest to connect with people. How do you know if they're really somebody you really want to do business with or don't you? So on the topic of authenticity, Mark is hitting so much the nail on the head. Mm -hmm. Basically what happens is human beings make decisions by, because they're human beings, right? And we all have a big BS detector in all of us. Every single human being is skilled with that. And what, what's interesting is you get this balance. Remember when we talked earlier about what's possible? 
the overwhelming majority of companies that I work with, their capabilities far exceed where their customers are at. Uh, so what they want to do is they want to explain and explain and explain, but if they're not ready to do it, they're just not ready for it. So one of the things that literally next week, I'm doing a, a training session on social on how to be authentic with marketing, delivery, and sales all together. And one of the things that we're going to do is live action fire. So you might be able to track and see some things. Uh, uh, and in this course, we're going to have a salesperson post something. We're going to have a delivery person back it up. Uh, and then we're going to have marketing people, uh, you know, communicate something like that. So we assemble what that whole message looks like. Here's the deal. We're going to do it in real time and we're going to have people take pictures. And what we're trying to do is get people out of their thinking head and more mm -hmm. into their act, active head. So the delivery people will be whiteboarding and then people will be able to put, put the items together. And what, what, I, what I've learned is that human beings know to see that they can see something authentic much more than what the script looks like. If it's a picture of people collaborating on it and then somebody puts a tagline around it, people can see that. People can also see real-life authenticity in a video clip that they can do versus a, a, a canned video. So be, being much more aware of these nuances and how humans consume information, and it's all of the information, not just the script, not something that we write. We have advantages of all of the assets that we have available to us. How do we start blending it to, to have authentic communication? Uh, you know, Mark's exactly right. No one's really focused on that, and it makes all the difference in the world. Thank you very much. Guess what, gentlemen? It's 52 after. We have five minutes left to the end of the show, and I have saved 60 seconds for each of you for the crystal ball predictions round. So I think we've already done the major prediction, which is we agree, the three of us, four of us, would like to throw out the term social selling and play, replace it with either digital selling or digital engagement. I think that's a good one. So don't use that one. Let's see what else you can see coming up or down the pike on social and digital way out there in terms of how people engage online in their selling quest to gain trust, to connect. And let's start with Mark Hunter. 60 seconds. Uh, give me a time frame, Mark, anywhere from 2020 to 2025, anywhere in between. What's going to change? Will it be called well, Mark Huntering? Will it be Mark Huntering? We are going to accelerate authenticity and transparency in this era of AI, artificial intelligence, as it continues to gain more and more traction and take over more and more communication aspects. What is it going to mean? It's going to mean that people are going to be looking more and more for authenticity and transparency. That is the only way with which I think we have a, a, an ability, whether it be B to B sales, B to C sales, or even B to G sales, business to government, we've got to be there. Really? I've never heard of B to G. That's very, very interesting. B to B? B to B, B to G, and B to C. Very interesting. But quick, Mark, uh, AI Authentic, you're talking to a robot, you're talking to a chat bot, and they sound better well, than a, a real person. So where's the authenticity? Well, that's the whole thing, because it's not going to be authentic. It's not going to be transparent. That's where it's going to be the ability for us to create those one-to-one -one conversations, those ability, you know, ah. the ability for us to come in. In other words, we must run parallel to AI. We must create our own platform. We must be our own voice. That's how we we're must, We must go back to creating a human reality. Ooh, this is heavy. Scott Santucci, can't wait to hear what your prediction is. 60 seconds, go. 
by 2025, we're going to start to see the elimination of separate sales and marketing departments driven by this whole issue of being authentic with, with, with customers. It makes no sense to have them separate. They're two parts of the same coin. It's about communicating with customers. To have them as separate silos doesn't make any sense. Uh, it's going to be driven by once people start to see the benefits. I mean, I think right now that the way that we're thinking about social and selling, it's too linear. And it's, yeah, I love the way Mark put it. It's just it's uh, old school broadcasting. Uh, but that's not what this medium is about. This medium is about engagement. As people start moving more into engagement and they start to realize authenticity, they're going to conclude that it doesn't make any sense to have separate uh, separate departments. And we're going to see the uh, elimination of those um, by, we're going to see a trend of that by 2025. Okay, but most important, Mr. Scott Santucci, what will we call it? Smarketing? What, what will it sell? Marketing? What, what, what will it, it's got to have to have a name. We're hiring you to be part of the XYZ department, division, whatever. How, how will we call it? Quick. That, that's a good question. I, I like to call it the value communications process, but that's not really uh, catchy. So let's call it um, um, customer engagement. Okay, customer engagement. It is going out on Twitter. You have spoken. Your prediction is out there soon in the ether. Okay, Mr. Marco Kai, I have exactly 60 seconds. Make it tight. What's your prediction, please? That's it. Actually, for me, I think uh, it's really difficult to predict because uh, things are changing so fast. But uh, one thing I I can be sure is that it's going to change. It's going to evolve because... uh, it, what drives social selling is, uh, uh, is a change of uh, how customers uh, behave, how customers do business with, uh, with brands. So as long as, like, just, uh, as Mark said, uh, there probably will be AI, there probably will be uh, virtual, virtual reality that the customer will be using to search about vendors, search about the business. So that's how social sellers need to uh, also change, need to get involved. So what I, what, what I can say is that uh, it's going to be more technical, uh, te- technology enabled. It's going to be a factor, and it's going to be more destructive. So this is uh, something I can't predict so far. Okay, thank you very much. I can't thank the three of you enough. We're just about ready to go, 30 seconds. Oh, my, we're running late. So I just want to say, Mark Hunter, Scott Santucci, Mark Okai, Thank you so much. What a great conversation around and around and around the table we went. You're all three so willing to be flexible and follow my, my lead on all the sidebars and just explore the topic. And if anybody says anything about the show, you can't say we weren't authentic and genuine and real. And that's exactly the conversation we'd love to have here on Game Changers Radio. So I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Shout out quickly to Kirsten Boyleau and uh, AJ Arif. AJ Arif Mohammed at SAP for inviting these three esteemed panelists to your show in April and letting me poach them here for coffee break. Yes, Aaron, my engineer, says take an extra 30 seconds. The show was fantastic. Aaron listens to radio all day as an engineer, and he knows a good show. So we got the thumbs up from Aaron Keller at World Talk Radio. So here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. If you're not in digital selling yet, put that seatbelt on and go out and do it. You got some good tips and strategies today. So what are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Mark Hunter at the Sales Hunter, just like Scott Santucci at the Social Enablement Society, 
just like Marco Kai, who needs to go to sleep. He's in Beijing, and it's, oh, it's midnight. Go to sleep already, Marco. Thanks for joining us. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. I'll be back at 2 o'clock today here on the Business Channel, 2 o'clock Eastern, with Changing the Game with HR. You don't want to miss it. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.